0: Hey guys, welcome to my third episode of the Christina Brasenho Show. Today's guest is a true inspiration. He is an MMA fighter. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor. He's a black belt in kickboxing. He's a second degree black belt in Krav Maga. He's an entrepreneur, he's a business owner, he's an author, he's a father, and he's an activist. So thank you so much for being on the show, Marcus. Really, truly appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, There's so many titles that you have. Which is amazing to have accomplished. Uh, So many people struggle just accomplishing one of all the amazing titles that you have. Out of all of the titles, if any, which one like totally stands out for you? Being a father. Being a father. First and
1: foremost, yeah, it's uh, nothing compares to it. You know, it's the most important role that I have. It's the most special. It's the most rewarding, and uh, the the job that I take more seriously. So
0: that's amazing. That's amazing. And how old is is your son?
1: My Nico is two and a half, and Luna just turned one.
0: Nice. Yeah. So a lot they of work. They keep you busy. Uh,
1: very busy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's
1: the hardest job too.
0: Yeah. Of course, being a parent, I have three kids. Yes. And you I have know. teenagers, and <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get any easier, Great. <laughs> enjoy them while they're little.
1: Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. While they're still cute.
0: Yeah. So I was I was reading your bio, and it stayed on there that like you you started. Martial arts at 15 years old. Yes. Okay. That's so correct. you start at 15 years old But tell me a little bit before you know, you're younger your younger years like what, what type of kid were you? <laughs> were you like an academics kid a crazy kid? Uh,
1: you know? That's a good question when I when I was younger school was very easy for me okay. So I didn't have to spend a lot of time, you know studying much, but I, w- I was doing well in school I I, I like to read a lot so it came pretty easy, but uh, I had a lot of energy a lot of energy and I, I You know, we moved around a lot, so a lot of times I was the new kid in school and and Mm -hmm. I had to, I had to, I wasn't bullied, but I was tested a lot and and I would stand up for myself and Mm -hmm. and so I would get into some trouble and um, I loved sports. I had, that's always been my thing, I've had so much energy since I was really young, so Mm -hmm. I played football, soccer over here, Um, ice hockey, you know, I I played a ton of different sports, table tennis, tennis, golf, I skied a lot because I'm from Sweden, that's what we do over there, we ski. Just enjoyed hanging out with my friends and and uh, martial arts was really good for me, to find martial arts because mm-hmm. I had this uh, amount of energy and, 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 and a need for, for thrills. I, mm-hmm. I, I was, I guess, a, a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So, um, you know, a, a martial arts found an outlet for that that many of the other sports couldn't give me. Okay. So I was, I was lucky, in my opinion today, looking back at it, um, to, to be able to find martial arts and, and find an outlet for all that energy.
0: And how did you get into martial arts? Did like, somebody introduce you to it? Did you
1: look uh, into it? It's a good question. So at the time, I lived in England. And I lived in Birmingham, which is the equivalent of Detroit over here. I went to school. We lived in a, in, in a, in a normal area, but I went to school in... in um, at the time, Chemsley Wood, which is where I went to school, was the second roughest part of, of, of England okay. um, I guess the equivalent of Compton or South Central over here. Oh, wow. So there was a lot of trouble in school and I got into martial arts just to learn how to fight better okay. um, and because I would get into to trouble and, and so for all the wrong reasons. but at the same time, um, getting into martial arts is what really put me on a path to the more I would you know train and spar and, and fight the less I wanted to do it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And where other kids would, you know, start experimenting with, with drugs and so on, I was focused on what I, was, what I wanted to do, which was to fight. Mm-hmm. So, um, it put me on a good track, and that's also the reason why I wanted to give back with our gyms, with Systems Training mm-hmm. Center, to be able to, to take what's given me so much and, and spread Each that other's. and give it on to others, so.
0: Yeah, and that's how, like, a lot of people say that are in martial arts, how it saved their lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So many people were troubled, or they were in drugs or gangs or different different stories. But I've I've heard it so many times that either jujitsu, kickboxing, whatever whatever, you know, the martial arts is saved their lives. You know, which is amazing. I mean for me, I was not you know, I was a crazy kid and when i got into martial arts it was something completely new to me i'm like what is this i'm like you know and i wanted more of it when i started you know learning what it was for the kicks like the actual art of it because it takes a lot of you know to to learn one kick one move one punch you know it all kind of comes together but that's just it's just so intriguing you know once you get into it so i can see how you know it would become an addiction to some people
1: absolutely you know? and it's a good addiction we talk a lot of times about addiction and how it's something something bad right mm-hmm. but there's there's good addictions as well you know as long as it's controlled everything has to be balanced and um you know what's so good about martial arts is that you can we start kids as young as three years old Mm -hmm. and and you know you have a daughter that that trains it teaches kids from a young age how to goal set and and the more you're into martial arts the more you realize that you don't know everything and you will never know everything and Mm -hmm. it humbles you because there's always someone that can beat you Mm -hmm. and at the same time it also drives you It, it develops you your mental resilience to to continue because You know, a lot of times people are scared of failing. Mm -hmm. And in in martial arts, that's all you do. Every training session, you're failing, you're failing, you're failing, until you start getting it. And and that's why it's so important to to learn that it's okay to fail. It's Mm -hmm. okay to not know something. No, Everyone has stepped onto the mats at some point for the very first time. Mm -hmm. And once you learn that, that there's a process to, to any journey wherever it is that you want to learn if you want to learn how to play an instrument or if you want to learn a language it's going to be a long time of failing right. and then you start seeing progress and that's, that's how you uh, I actually just wrote an article about it not long ago, ago about motivation versus discipline mm-hmm. you know people say oh you know I need, I want your motivation motivation is an emotion mm-hmm. motivation we, we all are motivated at times and we have days where we're not motivated right. and, and, and emotions we can't you know, if you're sad, you can't just say, I'm going to stop being sad right now. So, discipline, you can not have the motivation, but if you can train your discipline, then you can become disciplined and and still see results. Mm -hmm. And as you start seeing those results, you become more motivated. So, it's it's really important, in my opinion, to put kids in sports anyways, Mm -hmm. but... You know, obviously, I'm biased. This is what I do, but I think every parent should put their kids in martial arts. Right,
0: because it teaches them it teaches them that discipline since you know a young age. Yes. Yeah, where some people want to wait till the kids are older and they're already set in their ways, or you know, they're lazy or they just don't, they're just not interested. It's definitely you know? hard unless when they, get they older. want to do it on their own. You know what I mean? So exactly. Yeah, so you got to keep them busy. You you were born in 1977. Mm-hmm. I was born in January of 77. Oh wow! Well,
1: yeah,
0: well. so 43. Um, and then you you went. To the military in 1997,
1: correct? Correct. I joined okay. the special forces in Sweden, the rangers, mm-hmm. and uh, after, it's funny—not funny. Not fun, now it's funny because I, I, I got injured. I was, and a lot of you times, that, you know, yeah. when people would think that you know I was with the special forces and I had this this injury that took me two months to get back to walking. I was with a walking table and then with a the brace and a crutch and. Um, they thought something happened in the military. It was actually, we were playing a non-contact sport and this guy was running, I was gonna jump over me for some reason and I stood up and his knee, it was basically like a flying knee that hit oh, next to my wow. spine. Um, so I had uh, a, uh medical uh, leave from, from the military and uh, and uh, it's, you know, military is another way of, of, of training your discipline, mm-hmm. right? And finding out what you truly are capable of doing mm-hmm. because they will, push you past your limits right and i i love that you know i learned so much from it but at the same time you're learning to do it for you know something that is not nice which is to learn how to to kill people to and sometimes you know military is needed Um, but it's ultimately not something that every parent would want to put their kids into Mm -hmm. so our goal with what we do as well is to try to teach people that discipline and that drive and realize what they're capable of without having to send them to war later on so that's the same vision
0: and is a ranger like is that the, the is it similar to like a seal or like can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, rangers
1: are okay. special forces. Rangers are army. Navy seals is, is navy, right? Mm-hmm. You have uh, recon in the marines. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in in Sweden the rangers we have green berets as well, but it's not the same as a green beret in mm-hmm. America. But Rangers is the army special forces.
0: And so after that, I also read that you that you graduated from is it Kent
1: University of Kent, right. correct? Yeah. And then Canterbury. you were awarded
0: a sportman a sportman award in two thousand or two thousand two. Sportsman
1: 2002? of the year okay. two thousand when I the year I graduated. Uh, it's the, I won the kickboxing uh, British Association of Sports uh, Abuser—that's what it's called. British University Sports Association, which is the equivalent of NCAA over here. Mm-hmm. So um, I won the kickboxing nationals, and nice. um, and yeah, I was awarded that's that. Amazing! Yeah, thank yeah it's you. awesome. Thank you.
0: And then from there, you went on to move to Mexico City yeah right? just north of
1: mexico city okay. Querétaro. so it's about an hour and a half drive from there
0: nice and so what made you like want to move to mexico what was like the opportunity for you to uh, go out there because yeah. it's like you're coming from yeah london uk to mexico city completely different languages cultures yes. everything right
1: um at the time i was so focused on my fighting career and all i wanted to do was to improve my hands so i looked at okay where's the best place for me to to learn uh boxing um, especially my weight category it was either Cuba or it was Mexico mm. so I decided to move to Mexico I didn't speak any any Spanish I, uh, uh, I went down there and and, and I'm very, very happy that I went there I lived in Mexico for two years nice. um, I learned a lot what it's like to live you know even England as rough as it could be at times you know when you, when you see poverty you you don't see that in Europe to the Mm. same degree as you can find it in Mexico, you know, Mm. to see kids begging at at the traffic lights, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't have that in Europe and, 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 and same when it comes to crime rates and and so on, it's a, it's a different level. So, uh, but at the same time for, for boxing, at the time I was, I was kitboxing, I wanted to improve my hands for Mm kickboxing and uh, moving to Mexico and and learning that true Mexican warrior spirit. That was, uh, it was a, It was a shock, I was used to, I knew I had power in my hands and and getting down there and landing some of my hardest strikes and and the person was just in front of me still going. Um, And I made my pro debut in kickboxing in Mexico City.
0: And you had a knockout out there, right? You had I
1: had a yeah. I had in two years, I had ten fights. I think I had a few knockouts actually. Nice, so.
0: nice. Congrats!
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, did
0: you learn Spanish while you were out there?
1: Yeah, speak fluent oh. Spanish. Ah, hablas muy bien. Muy bien, sí. gracias. Con acento de México también. Really good. <Very laughs> good.
0: I was in Mexico City in January. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved
1: it. Haven't been back to Mexico City. I really, really want to go. Yeah, it's a and great I have a lot city. of friends down there still. And, uh, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a huge city. It's crazy. It's a I huge big city. city
0: and just the culture and the food mm-hmm. and like the people everybody else. it's just it's amazing
1: that's yeah. what I really yeah. really loved about Mexico is to 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 you know I'm especially because I was boxing so I let, met a lot of guys from the boxing gym and you know when you talk about poverty it's a different level and right. when you would go to the house the hospitality that would provide you know right. you almost feel bad because you know how hard they have it and they would offer you food and, and everything and that's part of you know I it's always India. get asked by, from by people, you know, what's the best country to live in? And every country I've lived in from Sweden, Germany, France, Mexico, England, here, every country has its pros and its cons. And, and the thing that I found in Mexico is that Latin hospitality mm-hmm. that, and, and the value of family as well right. that I think Americans can learn a lot from.
0: Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. So after Mexico City, you came back to the States. Well,
1: I, I kind of did, I, I came to the States, I, I, um, I was going to visit my parents who lived in Detroit at the time and uh, um, met a guy who asked, you know, he heard me speak Spanish and, and Swedish to my parents on the phone and then English to him and, and he said how many languages do you speak and he asked if I had any education and then he asked if I had any military experience and said I think there's some, some people that would like to speak to you. And, uh, and then I didn't think any more of it. This is 2001, 2000. Yeah, it was before 9-11. Um, so I gave my parents house number. And then when I, I had already left, and my mom calls me and she said, why is the US military calling our house asking for you? And uh, <laughs> it was uh, recruited. So I actually went back. My social is a military social. I came here to join the Rangers here in the US. And, uh, Pre-9-11, I got my social, it was a lot easier back then, but then 9-11 happened, I was still ready to, to sign a four-year contract and I flew back to sign. I did all the background and, and all the tests and um, I was signing a four-year contract and then they asked for my green card number. And I said, well, I don't have a green card. I never lived in the US. Mm-hmm. And they went back to the immigrations and said, hey, you he need a green card number. And they said, well, don't, we don't do favors for anyone anymore. Uh, they've been scrutinized a lot after 9-11, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I was there for three weeks, and they were going back and forth. And I said, obviously, I, I can't just sit around and wait. So I went back to Sweden, but I wanted to move to the United States. Mm-hmm. So I actually Googled sports management, and I wanted to do a master's. And I wanted to be somewhere where there was warm, where there were beaches, Mm -hmm. and where I can continue fighting, my fight career. And it was either Florida, it was at Florida Atlantic University, or it was coming to LA, Cal State, Long Beach, Mm -hmm. and which is where I ended up doing my uh, master's in sports management.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, our daughter just got accepted to Cal State Long Beach. It's a great school. Yeah, it's, it's a, a great, great school. school. Yeah, that's what I hear. So, yeah, yes. Long Beach is a great city. We, we live in Long Beach, so.
1: It's nice that, now. When I moved here, yeah. it wasn't as nice. No. 2003, 2004, no, it wasn't no, as
0: good. Yeah, yeah. It was some sketchy neighborhoods yes. for sure, but <laughs> now it's uh, just, you get a little bit of everything. You get patches, you know, good mm-hmm. area, bad area, but just the culture, of the people, I love Long Beach. It's a great, it's great really city. It's really nice. Yeah. I like the
1: downtown Long Beach and you got the, you know. they have got
0: the Belmont Shore. Yes. And then you have we've been like The quay. We're yeah, taking the kids yeah. there. So. very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Great city. So um, just want to take a shift back a little bit to um, to 2016. Okay. So is that okay to talk yeah, about? Yeah, yeah so, so just, I your wife and you, Michelle. Mm-hmm. You guys have done such an amazing like job with your nonprofit organization with Thank your you. son, which is amazing to me. Like it. Me as a mother, like I give you guys like so much props for the way you've handled it. Like you know Thank some you. some. I guess people would just break down and never be able to come back from it. But you guys, you know, the legacy that you're creating and you have left for your song, like, it's just like, to me, it's just so amazing how you, everything that you guys have created and the new law that you're trying to, to bring in. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, you know, we, we lost our son, Liam, and that's why we started the Liam's Life Foundation mm-hmm. to end drunk driving. And, you know, um, like you said, a lot of times people struggle with coming back. A lot mm-hmm. of times, instead of one life lost, um, two or a lot of times parents separate as well and right. then three lives were lost because yeah, they just can't find, and I met a lot of, of parents especially a lot of fathers that you know years down the line are still angry, still bitter. A lot of right. times they turn to, to drugs and alcohol and I, I, can't, I certainly don't condone it, but I, I can understand it mm-hmm. because you, come, you become so desperate to find ways to numb that pain that you're almost willing to do anything. Um, but you, you For me and and the way we look at it was, you know, the best way to honor him is to live our lives to the fullest Mm -hmm. and make sure that we turn that into something positive. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I wasn't aware how big of a problem drunk driving was in the United States. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time that over 10,000 lives are taken every single year Mm -hmm. due to drunk driving. That's the equivalent of a jumbo jet crashing every single week. Mm -hmm. And the United States of America has the highest BAC level in any democratic, free country which is 0.08, Point eight yeah
0: um,
1: if you look at europe where it's uh, most countries have 0.05 or lower in sweden for example we have 0.02 mm-hmm. um, to me i was naive enough for me and michelle we thought well this would be an easy change there's been more than 100 countries that have already lowered it from 0.08 to 0.05 or lower mm-hmm. we have statistics from over the, these from more than 100 countries um, a lot of times you know cultures can can play a a role in in, in something when laws are being changed. Or, you know, you gotta look at the cost to society, for example. Usually to change a law to save lives, it's gonna cost money. Mm -hmm. Here's a law that doesn't just save lives, it saves money. It costs American taxpayers $300 billion a year in drunk driving related costs. Mm -hmm. Medical, legal, property, and and production. Mm -hmm. People that can't work, right? And we know, we went through a manslaughter case. And so to us, this would be an easy change. Mm-hmm. But uh, another thing we didn't know anything about was uh, the American political system, and, and especially when it comes to lobbying. Mm-hmm. And so we actually, in less than two years, managed to get the bill known as Liam's Law introduced in California to lower it to from point zero eight to 0.05. Mm-hmm. And that was historical in California. And we mm-hmm. thought, great, you know, we have so much support from, from you know, American... Uh, 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 medical, uh, I should know the name of it, but uh, doctors, you know, law enforcement, everyone knows how big of a problem it is, right. because they see it, right. you know, fire, ambulances, so um, to us it would be something that sh- clearly should be easy to pass, and, and, and three Californians die every single day mm-hmm. because of drunk driving, it costs Californian taxpayers some 30 billion dollars a year, um and here's a bipartisan issue that will save money and save lives mm-hmm. and again can be proven to do so because it's been done in more than 100 countries mm-hmm. and every single country points in the same direction you lower the BAC level you lower the amount of of death due to drunk right. driving and again that's just deaths; that doesn't include people that are paralyzed or injured and so mm-hmm. on right so
0: but just a person like waking up you know or getting sobered up realizing what you've done you know what I mean like just it's crazy It's it, crazy. It, yeah. it
1: really really is and the problem with drunk driving is that it's often not looked upon as a crime mm-hmm. if you decide to be a drug dealer or a gangbanger that's a part of society that choose that route mm-hmm. the problem with drunk driving is that you get doctors that do it. you mm-hmm. get you get lawyers you get judges to do it. you right. even get law enforcement officers that drive drunk right. and, and they the get problem away with it
0: sometimes
1: yeah absolutely yeah. and 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 the problem with it is that that people, you know, people drive on average drunk 80 times before they're arrested. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times, say you drive drunk once and nothing happened, Mm -hmm. right? But, and and, and we've even had people tell us like, oh, I I actually drive better when I've been drinking. Telling us that. So, and, and again, it's not something that you get to decide whether you do or don't mm-hmm. this is science mm-hmm. we know what each .01 of bac does mm-hmm. but the biggest problem that we realize is that people don't actually know what 0.08 means mm-hmm. they know that's the law but most people don't know how many drinks that is mm-hmm. do you know what an average 0.08 is is so
0: one glass of wine mm. yeah two glasses of wine right? no four oh. to
1: five drinks for an average male of 170 pounds mm-hmm. on an within an hour on an empty stomach mm-hmm. at 0.08 you know slightly a bus. at 0.08 you're drunk mm-hmm. in my opinion in today's society you don't have a reason to why you should be allowed to drive you never mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. but now you don't have an excuse what whatsoever because of uber and lyft and so well, on. i was gonna if say
0: yeah. you can afford yeah. a
1: drink at a bar you right. can afford an uber or lyft right
0: 20 buck ride you know what i mean
1: Then you don't yeah. have to worry about parking and you can drink as much as you want
0: but it's amazing how many people will still get in their car still drive you know just because they don't want to spend the money but they want to spend the money on a drink you know what i mean just irresponsible
1: it's very selfish mm-hmm. it's it's and 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 that's the problem like again when from in sweden where i'm from you know you get taught from a young age mm-hmm. that it's not just that it's a crime it's illegal i know criminals mm-hmm. growing up when i was younger mm-hmm. that you know they weren't good people necessarily but they wouldn't drive drunk mm-hmm. and and that's the thing you know people in america is the country of free freedom and so on but and and i I love that it's the reason why i live here it's the reason why i'm american citizen Mm -hmm. today but at the same time if your decision can impact other people Mm -hmm. then it's no longer your decision to make exactly so um our job is in my opinion you know you if you're gonna drink at all Mm -hmm. leave the car at home Mm -hmm. but um so to lower it from 0.08 to 0.05 should be an easy fight for us Mm and the way and we had to learn about the political system so way the way a law gets introduced it gets introduced as a bill by a senator or an assembly member in this case it was an assembly member for us it then goes to committee in our case it went to the public health uh, uh, committee and uh, public safety committee and the public safety committee and i thought great this is public safety the problem with it is that the chair of the public safety committee his name is reggie john sawyer Decided that the bill wasn't even going to be heard. He tabled the bill. How is that democracy? When mm-hmm. one man, who by the way, received over $30,000 in campaign donations from anheuser Bush, can say that this bill isn't even going to be voted on. That's mm-hmm. not democracy. Yeah. And that is, in my opinion, the highest legal of legalized corruption mm-hmm. that there is. Yeah. So yeah. this man by himself and only in California can commit to, uh, the chair of a committee... Table a bill where the rest of the committee doesn't even get a chance to vote on it, mm-hmm. and and that's what we're fighting now.
0: But it's all about money. Yes. you know what I mean. It's all about the money at the end of the day. And yeah. and
1: that's that's you can never put you can never put profit you can never put money in front mm-hmm. of human life. Exactly. So um, it's a fight that's going to take a long time. We know that we're aware of that, mm-hmm. uh, but we're also not going to give up. And through social media, it's great because even here, right, mm-hmm. we can we can, we can we can point yeah. out that yeah. someone like Reggie John Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clearly not concerned about the public safety mm-hmm. per se, so um, it's going to be a long fight, but we also know that we're going to win one day.
0: And you have a petition, right, for people to sign, yes, right, correct. to vote on and all that? Yes, Change.org. Yeah. 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 Um, so I went on there and I signed a petition, so... Thank you. Yeah, if you guys can go in there and sign the petition, that would be awesome. So you also wrote a book.
1: Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Life is a Moment, mm-hmm. which spells out Liam. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, I wrote, I started writing for me. I started writing because that was one m- training and writing was my outlet. And That's the most important. The thing is, we learn so much in school, but we don't learn about grief. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, every single human is at some point going to experience grief, whether mm-hmm. it's a parent or a sibling or a loved one, you know, even a pet, right? Um, and especially men, you know, we don't learn. It's a lot of times it's looked that upon as a, as a weakness too, to display emotions and so on. So. I figured if I can write this book and if it can help someone else mm-hmm. in their grief work, then um you know the stigma of being a fighter and being tough and macho if i can if I can open up and talk about my emotions and mm-hmm. my thoughts and what I had to go through, then hopefully it can help someone else as, uh, at some point and as well obviously as as get them not to drink and drive
0: exactly and it, and it was uh Amazon bestseller right so yes, that's right. but if you touch one person you know you can't guarantee it's going to be you know hundreds of people whatever but if that's just that one person that you're able to help you know and then and then it goes on and on and on down the line so that's amazing thank
1: that's you amazing. And, and that was that was the goal of the book if i can mm-hmm. help one person mm-hmm. and i've had so many people that have written to me both because it was translated into swedish as well um both from the swedish audience and and and, and people that read in english that mm-hmm. have said that it's helped them so um you know that was that was the purpose of it and that's Liam That's, being healing. Able That's to healing
0: for you also, I can imagine, right? Like Absolutely. You're, you're Absolutely. helping somebody else heal with their grief and it's also like healing yeah. yourself as well. So. And
1: knowing that, you know, Liam's passing is helping saving lives mm-hmm. uh, and, and improving lives mm-hmm. as, as, as we move on.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with that. Thank you. Yeah. So I just want to ask another question. Is, uh, you've, been, you've been in mixed martial arts for 20 years if not more, right?
1: I've been, yeah, I've been in martial arts for, yeah, yeah, more. Mixed martial arts, even when I moved here, when I moved here was to mm-hmm. box and kickbox. But, and, and UFC had started, you know, i had been around for six, eight years, something like that. And uh, even when I started boxing, was to improve my hands. Mm-hmm. But then I fell in love with boxing. So then I would, one week I would do a kickboxing fight, and a few weeks later I'd do a boxing fight. Um, and when MMA came about, I wasn't that interested in the ground stuff. Mm-hmm. It actually took me a couple of years to fall in love with Jiu-Jitsu. But one day, there was a gentleman named Van de Braga who was uh, going to fight in, Uf- in the UFC l- later on. But he was fighting uh, the late Joe Camacho, uh, who was the known striker. And he said, hey, can you teach me striking and I'll teach you some Jiu-Jitsu? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'll teach you boxing and kickboxing, but I don't want to learn any of that ground stuff. And then one day he said, after training, it's like, let's just roll a little bit. And he tapped me out without using his hands, just using his legs. Oh, wow. And then I was very intrigued and I started training and, and I realized, you know, especially at the time, there was very few people that I would, wouldn't be willing to stand up with and strike with. And I figured if I can just learn some of that ground stuff, I can, I can fight MMA. And then um, I fell in love with MMA and then I fell in love with Jiu-Jitsu. So nice. uh, I, just, I just love combat. I love all of it. You know, I hate... It's almost like with religion, you know, you have a Christian person and they hate Muslims, and Muslims hate Jews, and and in the end of the day, you know, it's like praying to the same God.
0: Same thing. And it's
1: the same with martial arts, you know, martial arts is supposed to to do the opposite, it's supposed Mm -hmm. to break down barriers, to show that, you know, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, what culture you belong to, what religion you practice, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately you get that in martial arts as well. Jiu-Jitsu is the only way, or boxing is the only Mm -hmm. way. And I just I love all combat. And mm-hmm. in the end of the day, it's never the martial art in the in itself. It's mm-hmm. the martial artist and the, whoever can uh, a, a, a enforce what they're trying to do to their opponent. So right.
0: And you being like a true martial artist, or so many true martial artists. There, there's so many people out there too that are kind of like like fake it. You know what I mean? Like i they, they put labels like i You know I'm. I'm. All right. I'm in jujitsu just for a little while, just to say. You know. Or they're doing kickboxing or they're doing that, but they're not really like practicing for the love of it. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, I, I see that I, there's a lot of different places that I've been, that, that I've trained at, where it's just kind of like in and out, you know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like a, like a trend type of thing, you know, and you've like stuck, like you're in love with the thought of the mixed martial art. Like what has kept you going? Just like the, the fact that you're teaching people or like that, just because you're super like disciplined with, you know, your martial
1: arts? At this point is a lifestyle. Okay. I need it. It was part of my grief work was mm-hmm. to do martial arts. And it's given me so much, you know, as far as, as mental, uh, resilience and, and fortitude as well. And, and, and the discipline and and mm-hmm. so on. So, um, you know, and, and like, and any aspect of life, you know, you get, you get rotten apples, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, a lot of times what that comes down to, unfortunately, is ego. Mm-hmm. So you get someone yeah. who maybe wasn't that secure in themselves when they got into martial arts and then they get the black belt and then there's another martial art that they're not good at. Mm-hmm. And the thought for them to have to start over as a white belt is, is the biggest fear mm-hmm. to look silly, right? right? To not be good at it.
0: Because you've already so
1: Yeah, but I, 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 love, I love the process of learning. Mm-hmm. I love to... To have someone come in that can teach me something, mm-hmm. who might be a lower belt and it shows something that I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. I didn't know. You can learn from anyone and everyone. And there's certain martial arts that we know today that are not very effective in a, in a street situation. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that there's nothing in that martial art that mm-hmm. can't benefit you in whatever martial art you're doing. So right. if you're a true martial artist, you should look to constantly improve mm-hmm. and start, constantly become better. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, like I said this is obviously lifestyle at this point this is what we do mm-hmm. uh, but it's also and again I'm a bit biased because this is what I do but at the same time I know how much is given me mm-hmm. I know how much it's given a lot of my friends and people that I've trained mm-hmm. and you know from a kid that's been bullied to, to a woman that's been in a, in a domestic violence relationship or maybe been sexually attacked and to be able to be empowered and come back to society again and to find the strength and say never again mm-hmm. you know that's that's uh that's amazing that's yeah and yeah. and that's something that that i wish that everyone could actually learn
0: because mm-hmm. some women that have been you know uh victims of you know uh violence or rape or whatever the case may be they can crumble or they can come in step on the mat and like you said you know they might not know anything they might not even know what they're stepping into because when I started uh, martial arts I had no idea I had no idea when I stepped on the mat. like what in the world is this but it's empowered me so much to even be doing this interview with you because it's it's so um, it just makes me it's it's nerve-wracking for me but I'm you know it's a, it's a but fear you're doing that, it. yeah but I want to overcome you know what I'm saying so that's it's, good so it's kind of you know so I'm I've I, I want to interview different people with just so many different like um, just different walks of life, you know what I mean? So it's just not just to one, but but this is, you know, I love I love martial arts, it's an amazing sport, you know, I love, one of the that I wanted to point out is like some people are like, uh, you mentioned earlier that you weren't ready for your, for your brown belt and they wanted to give it to your uh, purple belt for so long, and some people just worry about like, I, I need to get to the next level, to the next level, and I need to be a blue belt or a purple belt, or they feel like, you know, they're diminished if they're not, you know, they're at a certain time or whatever. But to me sometimes like it doesn't i mean it does matter yes because you're going up in levels of your training but like coming in as a white belt i mean i've been a white belt since 2012 you know but in my mind like if i step back in the mat when i step back in the mat like in my mind i'm already a blue belt you know what i mean but it's just kind of like coming back and moving forward with it but what's your opinion on that on like the belts uh levels and all that
1: unfortunately people a lot of times it's it's human nature to Mm -hmm. You know trying to go up in ranks and then to have someone who's below you mm-hmm. and uh but in the end of the day belts don't matter we know mm-hmm. it from watching mixed martial arts you've got fighters in the ufc that white belts blue belts. and in the end of the day a belt doesn't matter what a belt is supposed to do is just for the individual who reaches that belt to feel accomplished mm-hmm. that you've you've reached something right mm-hmm. that that's that's it you know as far as that you know and, and it's on routines you know when you come on the mat you've earned some amount of respect when mm-hmm. you've been on the mat for a long time but it just because you're a, a black belt doesn't mean that you can treat a white belt any different as exactly. far as respect as as, as another black belt mm-hmm. you know that's again that's that's not the martial art in itself and that's not what martial art should be about mm-hmm. it's 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 just again unfortunate at times ego comes in into to play and and that's what happens but yeah no it's uh Belts, belts don't matter yeah
0: yeah it's all politics people, right people A different, should train different, uh...
1: everyone's on their own journey mm-hmm. my journey doesn't you know affect someone else. when i fight that's different my journey is directly impacted by my opponent's journey, mm-hmm. right who can prepare for that battle the best mm-hmm. but in now especially when i've retired from 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 professional fighting now my journey is is me beating me every single day
0: mm-hmm. it's against you yeah it's you against you every yeah. day yeah that's awesome Awesome! I just want to thank you so much for this interview. really means a lot that, you know, you took me on. Of course. And you're a true inspiration. You're a true fighter in life and martial arts and everything that you do. And keep on fighting for Liam. That's amazing. And, you know, I'll put it out there for people to sign the petition for you and Michelle. And Liam, of course. And, again, thank you so much. And I'm truly blessed to have been able to do this interview with you.
1: Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.